One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hello, my name is Dave Hanready and there will be no popcorn. Welcome to episode seven of the No Popcorn Film and Music Podcast. That's right, it's our semi-occasional dives into the world of uh, music and movies. It's and definitely starting to be semi-occasional now. To be fair, <laughs> like, men. at least we got this one in. I'm about to take holidays. I don't know when this is coming out. I could be, I could be back from my holiday by the time this is out, but like, very tight window. I'm, I'm, I watched the film today. Dave nice. Higgins. Dave Higgins is my co-host, of course, as always. But we're joined this week by Norma Howard, an actor and the chooser of this movie. Hello, Norma. How's it going? Hello. How are we? Um, yeah, so I chose Sing Street, mm-hmm. pitched it. Everyone got on board with... You'd seen Sing Street before, Dave? I had seen Sing right. Street. I had, a, had an interesting experience seeing Sing Street for the first time. I saw it directly after seeing previous No Popcorn episode, Green Room, and so I was in a pretty shook place. It was like a press screening of a oh, green room, which is like one of the, you know, half ten in the morning, it's a movie you don't want to watch. Um, so afterwards I went to see Sing Street with my parents and it definitely put me, kind of leveled the, the alchemy within me because I was in a pretty dark place. <laughs> with your parents? Like, I was listening to No Popcorn and I was like, okay, they haven't done an Irish film yet. I was trying to push Dave... H? Do I need to differentiate between... I mean, we're both Dave H. It's, but, a, it's oh, a problem. But, 
Just call him Higgs. <laughs> Higgs, Higgs. All right, grand. So Dave is. And me. I was trying to push in the direction of like musicals because I was like, you need to do a full blue, full blown musical. And just, I'm not like, sure this is a full blown musical. But I guess yeah, I guess this is easing you into the genre a bit. I guess okay. So I guess what we can talk about first is the director John Carney. Well, or, do we want to jump into things we've been watching? Do you what have you been watching? I feel like I've, like I probably you, covered this week to week on the oh, regular. You, your Hobbs and Shaw. No encore show. Yeah, we saw Hobbs and Shaw. Um, have you seen Midsummer? I have. No spoilers. No spoilers. Oh, really? But I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Okay. I really big big fan. Really dug it too. Highly highly recommend. And you were um, in on Ari Aster before you liked Hereditary. I've never seen Hereditary. Okay. Because everyone was like, it's a horror film. I really find horror difficult. Okay. Just I like just, actual more I, yeah, the, the jump. Yeah, jump scare kind of stuff. Like, like goriness doesn't really bother me that much, but like actual scary, weird, paranormal stuff, I get a bit freaked, so I just steered clear. But I was told and advised that Midsummer wasn't like a horror horror film. And can I give that away? It's not really horror. Uh, uh, some people have said that it's more of a kind of a commentary on relationships. And stuff. Kind yeah, yeah it, it's definitely a film that. While there are lots of horror elements in it, it's not big on like scares, but it's definitely like done a number on my brain. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of probably thing, a sign like, of a good horror, like something that just like gets right in. Yeah, on your. I would say more psychological thriller. Yeah. Thrillers maybe not the best. Word. How is Ireland's own Jack Rayner in it? He's actually really good. He's pretty good. Yeah, the like the role suits him exceptionally well. It's interesting that you have the qualifier of actually good. Do we think he's not great generally? We were talking about him in this movie. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll, get, we'll to get to it. To it but yeah. I'm coming around on him a bit more. Um, his, I think it's kind of been his accent work, and we'll probably touch on it. in this is like <laughs> has been a little kind of. I think the first thing I saw him in was uh, what Richard did. And then I was like, yeah. okay, is that your accent or is you're doing it for the movie? That's fine. And then that's just kind of been the kind of the vibe. baseline of it. Um, but I, in this, he's in Midsummer, he's far, far better. Yeah. Um, he seems Have to you be seen a, him in Free Fire? Yes. That he's, was a, a, a Dave and I on a Tuesday <laughs> really? movie. Yeah. I, I still feel like I don't know how I feel about that film, but he did surprise me in it. I was prepared to be like, I'm going to hate him. I'm like, this isn't going to work. I thought it was a bad movie, but I appreciate that it was like about 82 minutes long or something. That, yeah. was, that was nice. Um, <laughs> I think I saw... Good and short. That's I think I saw... I, I think, and Street's about 145. 145, ideal. yeah, which, I, which is longer than I thought it was. I think I saw a couple break up during Free Fire, but um, I watched a South Korean okay. patient slow burn movie called Burning, uh, which I really enjoyed, but it was one of the... I think it's kind of similar to Midsummer in as much as they're both two and a half hours long. They're obviously both about relationships and, you know, kind of maybe some like slightly kind of weird opaque elements to it as well. And it was the classic thing of, again, having not seen Midsummer, but I would be surprised if I didn't have a similar experience with regards to just the overall atmosphere and tone and feel of the thing. I hit a point a few years ago where I'm like, I find myself watching certain films, The Rover being the one that did it at the time, where I'm like in the middle of watching it and I'm like... I mean, this is just your classic art house. Not much is happening. It's immaculately made. It looks beautiful. The cast is great. It has really good moments. And I'm just like, and yeah, and like it's going to hit me afterwards. But is that really enough? But then the film does hit you afterwards. And the thing with Burning is like, was unable to stop thinking about it and asking questions in it yeah. the days that followed. Uh, a strong recommend. One of your films of last year, I believe. Well, you know, uh, this year so far. Was it this year? Yeah, it came oh. out in, I mean, it was out in America um, late last year, but I think it was like early this year. I okay. definitely saw it in like February or something. I Yeah, I really loved it. That last shot is just like yeah. haunting. Even though I was like, don't end now, please. And then it did, but it's great. Uh, apart from that, yeah, I haven't really watched much. 
There you go. One other one I just want to touch on. Did you, none of you saw Apollo 11? I didn't, but I've heard amazing, amazing things. People have come out of the cinema like emotional yeah. after Apollo 11. And I was just like, space, not really my vibe. Yeah, I'm just saying. But like... It blew my mind. Like the oh footage in it is bonkers. Um, so like last year, First Man, a good film. Um, Damien Chazelle was like, we'll shoot it on 16 millimeter to kind of make it like seem of the time. And it's like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, that movie did looks you really like good. First Man? I did. Um, good. I feel, like, I, feel, I feel like nobody saw that movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird oh. one because it's like, it's really, really subdued and it's kind of very melancholic and it's not as grand as you would kind of expect mm. of a movie about a great achievement in human history. Um, but it does kind of widen the scope a bit when they actually get onto the moon and they film an IMAX. But so for Apollo 11, apparently somebody somewhere has just had all this footage of the lead up to um, the launch that was shot in like 70 millimeter, which is like, you know, these days only I think Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino can like get the stock. <laughs> it's incredibly expensive, but like things look jaw dropping in it. So Apollo 11, like f- immediately if, if you've seen the trailer, like the first shot is they're bringing the, the launcher on like essentially like what looked like tank tracks and like the scope in it is bonkers. Like if we had a proper, proper IMAX, like, Good Lord. But it one, is... Sorry, one what? of my favorite things about Apollo 11 is that I I did step into like... Because I, I work in the lighthouse, I stepped in at one point to just watch the end of it and I was like, oh, I'll just check it out. And they just kept talking about Michael Collins. And I was like, what <laughs> is going on? And then I was like, oh, the third guy was called Michael Collins. It was the and same man, just, of course. Same uh, man, same man. I the like big it, fella. I like he wasn't like shot. <laughs> I like he how went it, to space. If you hadn't have explained that you worked in cinema, you would have sent like a weirdo who goes into cinema. Just goes cinemas. into <laughs> cinema screens. I just, just pop it in. For the last five minutes, you know. You'd be amazing amount of people who like, they come up late to the cinema and they miss the start of a film and they're afterwards they come out and they're like do you think I could just pop in and watch the start of the film like the first 20 minutes of like the next screening of it or maybe like tomorrow and it's like that's psychotic that's like, that is you can't just, just make movies non-linear yourself yeah. but people are always like shocked when you say no because they're like why wouldn't I be allowed to do that and it's like what that's like the equivalent why? of my dad like you know flicking through the channels and comes across a film that's been on for an hour and a half that he hasn't seen the first hour and a half of but will just continue to watch it which gives me such anxiety but like doing it's that such a dad in thing the well, cinema though. though and being like nah it's grand I'm entitled enough that I can come back and see this when I want at my own time and I won't pay for a second ticket but yeah, so I didn't see Sing Street in the cinema. And I will say, like, I mean, like, I've kind of avoided this film since its inception, <laughs> since I've known about it. And I think, you know, is that I have a problem with, like, uh, I, I, I don't gravitate towards the idyllic. And I feel like that's what this film was sold as. It was just this bouncy, colourful, kids doing it for themselves thing. And, and I was just like, I don't think it's for me. And then when I discovered the DNA of the movie, I was like, fuck you. So John Carney, <laughs> say his name. <laughs> T of the Frames fame, maybe the worst band in the, in the country's history. Ah, uh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when all is said and done, you know. Um, so he's made some movies, and Once was the big one, right? I mean, like that's not necessarily his first. Is that his first movie? No, it's his fourth. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So he'd made a couple of indies. He made a before once he'd made a movie with Stephen Ray and Killian Murphy. I think so. On the Edge. Um, yeah. The two before that were kind of very, very indie. They he don't have one. Wikipedia pages, which tells you that they 
probably didn't go very far. But yeah, once is kind of his his calling card. Gets him into gets him into Hollywood. He also did Bachelor's Walk as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he co- kind of standing with his, as well. With his brother. Which so, yeah. explains the, the presence of Don McCurchley in this movie. Um, How did you say that, Lee? Don McCurchley is on the head. Don Witcherly. Is it Witcherly? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, they they both sound ridiculous. Like, like McCurchley sounds, sounds a bit like, more like, funky. Uh, hey, like, hey, McCurchley. Like a Polish-American cop in, like, <laughs> a crime novel. <laughs> it sounds more interesting than... And not like that, Father that. Baxter, that <laughs> we've come to know and love. Brother Baxter. Uh, Brother. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, as you say, Once was his big breakthrough, right? Which, um, a film that, like, I just have no time for. Um, I, I, it's just it's it's just a bad movie, right? I mean, like it's just kind of gross, and it, it it's become this national, uh, fucking huge thing. There's been a, there's a massive stage play. The world loves once, you know, went around the world. Uh, Glenn Hansard's ego is out of control, and was Oscar winning, of course. Well, yeah, it's, have, a, it's an Emmy away from an EGOT. Have I? Yeah, Jesus. because Ender Walsh adapted it into the. Have I? I told, think it started on Broadway, didn't it? Yeah. Um, have I told the Glenn like Hansard story before have I, on, on the show about him at the Hot Press Music Show in I think it was 2013? Uh, is this bad? Does he walk around <laughs> with an Oscar? Oh, no, 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 no. It's yeah. bad. It's bad, but it's not like we're going to... Do you want to see it? And he's like an overcoat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, like, he's it, just like, got a tattooed on himself. It. It's bad, but it's not like we're going to get sued bad or anything. So I, okay. I, I used to work for, uh, and this might come as a shock, I used to work for Hot Press. Uh, no goddamn way. <laughs> never mentioned it on the show before. Uh, Hot Press used to have a thing called The Music Show. Uh, and it was a two-day event in the RDS, and I think it had been running for a few years by the time I first got there, when I was working there. And to be fair, I mean, I think, you know, if you're into music and you're into, like, a, a big kind of uh, convention-type situation for that, it was pretty fucking cool. I mean, like, it was two days, and you had, like, all these vendors selling, like, musical products. You had a stage with bands on there, like, up-and-coming bands, and the likes of And So You Watch From Afar and a few others. And upstairs, you had all these panels with people, which was running all day. So it was, like, all kinds of different topics being discussed, and they got people in from the industry. And it was pretty Cool. I mean, like the one time I went there, I thought it was very good. It's like um, Bloom for music. Pretty much, except a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit more comic. <laughs> what, what, what a niche yeah. reference. It was a bit more Comic Con, I think, than, than anything else. But it was, yeah, it was grand. But like, there was a panel on in the morning, on one of the mornings. I remember Craig and I were there, and we were in this very, very hot room. And like, at the top of it was uh, a disgraced a journalist whose name I won't bother mentioning, uh, who was chairing the panel. And on the panel was like Glenn Hansard, Maria Doyle Kennedy, who's in this movie, and some lads from like Live Nation or something or other, I can't remember. But like when the journalist was introducing everybody, you know, he just kind of gave a potted history of who they are. So it was like, you know, Maria Doyle Kennedy, shot fame in the commitments, blah, 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 you know, actor and uh, musician in her own right, you know, very successful, internationally renowned, blah, 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 blah. Uh, And then it was like Glenn Hansard, of course, you know, leader of the frames, um, swell season, uh, Academy Award winning artist for the film Once for the song Falling Slowly, um, continuing to make really interesting solo music, blah, 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 blah. So the first question gets asked, whatever it was, and, you know, it's going around each person. So at least, at least five or six minutes has elapsed before it's Glenn's turn to answer the question. And Glenn starts by saying, uh, actually, um, I just want to say I don't really appreciate being referred to as an Academy Award winning artist because that implies that it's all about the accolades and not about the art, and that isn't the case. And you could feel the air being sucked out of the room as Craig wow. and I looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, you fucking cunt. <laughs> 
Didn't have a problem with so David Letterman is, saying it to you. The rules we have on cursing that cool. Oh, you can you can, you can say what you want. Yeah. So and, and listen, that happened. It's a true story. I witnessed it. Come after me. Um, yeah, he's not the most uh, admirable. No, we man won't get we, we won't get into else, further uh, Hansard discussion yeah. because I yeah, I don't want to get sued. Can I'm I not a particular a bit- big fan of once. Either I think yeah. there's a lot of good music in there. I do like some of the music. I, I this, um, this isn't even just me being me and me being hyperbolic, but I, "Falling Slowly" is legitimately a song that like I, I'm unable to deal with. I think it's a fucking trash fire. I think it's on the express elevator to hell on on loop. I think it's disgusting. I think it's an awful song. The fact that it won awards baffles me. If I ever hear it on anywhere, whether it's a busker on the street or it comes on in the shop, I am running to the nearest fucking window. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I don't understand the fascination for it and once as a whole. I think you must once hate is very, Grafton Street in the summer oh, yeah, because it's just nonstop. Not, not just the summer, like, like nonstop. But I mean, like, I think, I can't remember if I was working next region when that film came out, but it definitely was one of those ones that you just couldn't get away from. It was 2006. Then I was. Seven. Seven? Seven? Yeah. yeah. I might have just left. I think I might have just bailed out. But like the one in it. Oh wait. Oh, okay. But nonetheless, it was just like a really I, I thought it was really controversial gro- one as well. I, I thought it was really it was. I, 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 I thought I thought it was really grotty film. I, I don't like the way it's filmed. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not crazy about the way that this is filmed either. I don't know if John Kearney has much of a, an eye, but that's all. I, I, I suffered through some of once, not all, because I just couldn't handle it. I don't really know his filmography too well. You've been going back over it. Yeah, well, I haven't gone deep in the in the trenches pre once, and yeah. I haven't rewatched once. But I watched Begin Again, which is like his kind of his biggest budget movie today. Oh, but God. at the same time, like. Like once you could kind of put a lot of it down to it was literally shoestrings. They minimal budget, yeah. Like a bunch of mates. They weren't getting permits. They were using long lenses to like get away from actually looking like it was a film set and kind of being kind of sneaking around the city to film it. So it it is its look, and in a sense, its look kind of fits it. Um, but begin again. It's like yeah, get you get to scale up, you get the budget, and begin again. Dull, dull movie is truly hateful filmmaking. Like, I cannot... I remember watching it with a maid back at home and I was just like, two hours of my life, I'm never getting back. This is just such a heap of shit. Um, so what is the... And it was like, I think it was like, once went down so well in America. Like, Steven Spielberg was like, my entire inspiration for the year has come from this little, like, the little film that could kind of thing. So, yeah. And then Hollywood, Hollywood was like, yeah, cool. Let that's, me make a That's big Spielberg answer. line. I've got something to, another thing to dirt? put on Glenn Hansard and uh, John Carney. So he said that it was like, yeah, it, it, a little movie that gave me my inspiration for the rest of the year. So Steven Spielberg saw this movie, obviously, in 2007. What was Steven Spielberg doing in 2007? Uh, he released War of the Worlds in 2005. Yeah, in Munich in 2005. Oh my God, was it The Adventures of Tintin? No. Hugo? No. That was... Munich? Marty. No. He was making... Indiana Jones, King <laughs> of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. Thanks a bunch, Glenn. Thanks a bunch, John. Jesus. You can hear falling slowly yeah, in the background was, of like, it you just know, gave like car him, chasing. You know, he was dealing with Lucas and he was just like, going to a That's trailer. a tough time for Listen cinema. To, yeah. well, okay, so beginning again, is that the, it's Keira Knightley, Mark Ruffalo and your man from Maroon 5? Adam yes, Levine, Adam Levine. Kelly Steinfeld. Um, so why is it so hateful, would you say? It's just, it's like a messy storyline. There's a lot of bad acting going along. Particularly, it's a bad script. Like, I don't know whether he just, like, had an idea and just, like, pelted into it because Hollywood were like, all right, it's time to, like... Because I think, did it come out 2013? Yeah. 
So like, it seems like he had a bit of time to work towards this, but like, oh, it just it just fell it's apart. Cliche like, on top of cliche. Yeah, like Ruffalo's just, character is a. Uh, He's like he used to be the head of a studio label who like him and Yasin Bey like discovered like CeeLo Green or whoever CeeLo Green is within the context of Begin Again. Of that world, yeah. But like he's like the classic A and R, he's like hard drinking, hard smoking, like he has to get like steam and drunk to like hear the music mm-hmm. where like there's an awful scene at the start where Kieran Knightley and like this scene is played like three or four times. She's like at an open mic night, and James Corden, of course, is in this movie. He's invites her, her on stage. Do you like, know what? He's the best thing about yeah, the film, kind of and that's is, what's probably. so bad. <laughs> like it's it's actually upsetting. We're never doing this movie, right? I don't, no, we will no, not be doing. No, no, it. No, I don't no, have no, to no. watch this, this, this movie. Is the equivalent of I actually this think movie. if I was made to sit down again, it'd be like PTSD. Like I can't. <laughs> I blocked it out of my memory, and then when I was like same street. I was like, oh god, the film that pre like precedes it is just so. It's so bad. So they keep coming back to this motif, basically, is what you're saying, of like the establishing the characters and linking them together. Because I'm getting a vibe of like, you know, she teaches him to love again type thing. Is yeah, it? yeah. Like, to love music again. It starts off with her doing an open mic, and then it like it goes back to like a day before, and it's like seeing Ruffalo going around. And then when he does finally go to see her, she's just playing a guitar, and like he's wasted at the bar, and like he starts like air playing music, air playing uh, instruments, and then they start like it's like a little snare drum roll is like being played by the Invisible Man and then, oh, there's a little bit of double bass and it's just like, oh my God. And then he like fully composes the song in his mind. It's like, this is I like feel like obnoxious. it's like, <laughs> he tried to go for like, or even just like, like inside Lewin Davis, I feel like it, which I it adore. was like, which is like an outstanding film. It's, it's an exceptional But I feel like it was like, maybe I can make, or like that kind of a film and it just, <laughs> derails and is absolutely horrendous. He made really horrendous comments afterwards about Karen Knightley. I wanted to ask, first of all, how was that film received? Because obviously what I remember from it... Fairly poorly. Right, and what I I remember from it was there was a a controversy in which he was on, was he on just the press tour? He was, it was from an an interview he did with the uh, Independent in the UK. And I have the quotes. It's it's incredible. Like a really, really, (laughs) really incredible. The first question in the interview is, Sing Street has had rave reviews. How do you feel about the or, reaction? Or Begin Again or Sing Street? Oh, sorry. Why have I wrote Sing Street? Oh, yeah, sorry. This is, so this is on the press tour for Sing Street in 2016 that all this Kieran Knightley stuff ah, came sorry, out. I get you. So apparently they didn't get on while they were making it, but that had never really fully came out. So anyway, uh, reviewer, how do you feel about the reaction? Well, it's fantastic. I'm very surprised. It's a small personal movie with no Kira Knightley's in it. It's really <laughs> rewarding. Interviewer doesn't immediately follow that up. And so... You know, if that was all that was there, maybe he gets away with it. Um, Did that interview really? follow up at all? Because I like to think if it was me, I'd be like, sorry. Um, what? 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 Yeah. Um, Coming so in? A little, a little bit later on, Begin like, again? They, again? they kind of talk about his career. And then it says, how significant was it to make, a f- uh, make the film in Ireland? I'd just come back from making this far bigger movie in America and I was a bit disenchanted with working with certain movie stars in that movie and I wanted a break. I didn't enjoy that experience of paparazzi and fabulous openings. The movie star world is not something that ever appealed to me. I like working with actors and I wanted to come back to what I knew and enjoy filmmaking again. Not that I didn't enjoy Begin Again, but Kira has an entourage to follow her everywhere, so it's very hard to get any real work done. And so I was ready to come back to Ireland and make films that nobody cared about who was in it or any of that crap. 
I think the real problem was that Kira wasn't a singer and wasn't a guitar player, and it's very hard to make music seem real if it's not with musicians. And I think the audience struggled a little bit with that in Begin Again. And as much as I tried to make it work, I think she didn't quite come out as a guitar-playing singer-songwriter. So I really wanted to work with musicians and actors that could play their instruments properly and sing and stuff like that. And then he keeps going. So it's like, this so you learn like... a lot from making this film. And he's like, yeah, I learned that I'll never make a film with supermodels again. Ooh. He, I think he mentioned at one point that he was like, I wanted to cast Scarlett Johansson. That's ironic. Which is weird bringing Scarlett Johansson <laughs> yeah. into the, like, into the whole debacle. And then. Last, last line. Cool. All right. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo is a fantastic actor and Adam Levine is a joy to work with and actually quite unpretentious and not a bit scared of exposing himself on camera and exploring who he is as an individual. I think that's what you need as an actor. You need to not be afraid to find out who you really are when the camera's rolling. Kira's thing is to hide who you are and I don't think you can be an actor and do that. And working with the kids on this film and Real Instruments, there was no hiding going on. It was really... It really was a bit of self-discovery for the actors in Sing Street, and that appeals to me. So it's not like I hate the Hollywood thing, but I like to work with curious, proper film actors as opposed to movie stars. I don't want to rubbish Kira, <laughs> but you know it's hard being a film actor, and it requires a certain level of honesty and self-analysis that I don't so think she's like, ready for oh yet. And I certainly don't think she was ready for on that film. This is Kira Knightley, who at this stage has been like, fucking working for 20 years. Like since she she's was like 13? Like everyone like, from George Lucas to uh, David Cronenberg to Joe Wright. Nominated um, for Verbinski, And it's like, nah, sorry, love. But also, it's, it's such a burial. It goes on. For, it's so detailed. And like... He had it. He it was like it's it like wasn't he's like a chapter in his, it his autobiography. Like, better, like I mean, yeah. And like the, the interviewer didn't even really <laughs> dig any help him to dig. He was just like, no, I'm, I'm just let him I'm sit back this. and. So what was the fallout of? I, I, he apologized. He did apologize. <laughs> he said like, he was obnoxious. Yeah, um, but he doesn't come across great in the rest of the interview. There's parts of it where no. he seems like he's a bit. He he did high in his own supply. Well, he was in the yeah. frames. Of he did. Uh, I think he admitted at some point, like later on, that he was like, "Oh, I shouldn't have blamed an actor for like basically my poor filmmaking decisions and blah blah blah," and tried to backtrack a little bit because people did like like Keira Knightley's like sweetheart in Hollywood. Like you, you just can't. I do remember that she made was it the, the jacket? Who directed that movie? I remember the director of that movie um, kind of criticised her. I don't recall. But then worked with her again and he very much was like, no, nah, I fucked up as well. Maybe she just brings it out in insecure male film directors. I don't know. Possibly. Um, John Carney uh, probably also has had just his own problems. <laughs> that he's just putting on some poor actors and being like... Hey, it's so detailed, especially when it's like, you know, as for the lads though, they were great. Yeah. Okay, so I know. All, all of Adam which... Adam Levine, love it. All of which brings us, yeah, like noted cinephile Adam Levine. Who also comes back into Sing Street. Adam Levine? Did you Wait, not stay he, uh, for the end for the credits, very ending? David? You're joking. Did you he immediately just song. press control Q when you saw the screen go to black and didn't wait for the final song? Uh, they played one of the songs again, and then there was like I heard some, there was some weird voiceover stuff going on. There's a, it's an Adam Levine, isn't it? At the it end? is Adam yeah. Levine, but it's, it's while they're on the boat. Is that giving it away? <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to get into it We'll get there. Yeah, Let's we'll get, get into it now. Okay, so, right, that's a lot of background. Uh, yeah, loads. So, so Sing Street is a, a 2016 uh, dramedy. It's very well received. Uh, the vast majority of the reviews, 95% of Rotten Tomatoes, 
Uh, America seemed to love it. Small personal movie, kind of a bounce back movie. Championed by Harvey Weinstein. This is that's the first thing <laughs> you see. It's distributed by the Weinstein company. The first thing you see in this movie is distributed by the Weinstein company. I think that was pr- just pre all the accusations yeah, coming out, right. and it was like. I think they tried to bury that. So we can't put that one on John Carney, okay? I mean, it's funny that, but like, I was watching like Willem Dafoe's, you know, like GQ's iconic, you know, characters talk about your thing, and like he's talking about it all movie, and he's like, of course, Javier Reinstein like produced this one, and then you eyeballed up at Woody Allen, and I'm like, even the very very casual thing of like, I guess if you have like a symbiotic relationship with Hollywood and the world and filmmaking, these people are just probably just like business partners to you in a certain way. But I mean, like, I do think that the film, like, not that I'm defending monsters, it was created. <laughs> it was like a. Made for like a smallish, well, it had a four million budget, but I think it was like Weinstein Company picked it up. Yeah, while it seemed it to be like being made. It seemed to be like, like 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 a bit of a you know little Irish charming darling movie that yeah, I mean, liked, and that's why I think you're, you're buying you're buying a movie cheaply from the guy who made once for like one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it made like twenty four million dollars. Yeah, okay. So for anyone who does not know, Sing Street is about a, a young puckish young lad who goes to school. He's a bit of a posh boy. His family is imploding. He has to go to a public school, in this case, the Christian Brothers in 1985 recessionary Dublin. And it's in Sing Street, hence the name of the movie. Uh, where he encounters S Y N G Singe Street, where he John encan- Millington, <laughs> where, where he encounters uh, some problems, falls in love with a girl when he sees her, played by Lucy Boynton, who was in Bohemian Rhapsody, the first movie yeah. we've done on this, and you know, in a bid to impress her, lies and says he's in a band, and then realizes he must start one because she's an aspiring model. He wants her to be in his video and in his heart. And then along the way, he starts a band. That's pretty much the plot of the movie. It's a bit of a short one. Uh, the main guy, right, because I think we're going to talk about casting. Mm. The main guy in this movie is uh, played by an actor by the name of Ferdia Walsh Pilo. Now, that's a name. Strong name. Quite a name, right? However, <laughs> on my travels, if you think uh, that that is the most you know, upper class actor name going, I, I, I've got one for you. So there's a film that came out recently, and it's one of those movies where you know, like Fifty Shades of Grey was based on like a Twilight fan fiction, was yeah. it or something? And they just changed all the names. I guess that's kind of big Hollywood business. So there's one that happened recently. There's a Netflix movie called After, and it's basically like a Harry Styles fan fiction that was repurposed as like a college wow. story of a girl going to college and falling in love with a with a bad boy uh, played by this English guy. And the name of the actor who plays this character is Hero. Finds Tiffin, which is Rafe Finds. He is the nephew of nephew? Rafe yeah. and Joseph Finds. He is a member of a very prestigious family, the Twizzleton Wickham Finds. Twizzleton. Twizzleton Wickham oh, Finds. The... Is that the name of the family, or did they it's own the like family. a confectionery company? <laughs> the name of the family. <laughs> his entire name. His entire name. Hero Beauregard Faulkner Finds Tiffin. <laughs> That's remarkable. It's incredible. Like, why? Why would you have that many names? It's just too much. It's just too much. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so that's the basic premise of the movie. Um, do we think that they did a good job putting it up together? I mean, like, does it look like 1985? Is the casting accurate? Are the hairstyles and yada yada? Are we going to start with casting? Should I start with yeah, casting? We'll yeah. build into so, that. Um, okay, so, I mean, like, I, I think that there's some, I think the casting is generally pretty good. Um, you got some established Irish heavyweights like Aidan Gillen, <laughs> once again on this show. I hear you're in a band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ian, yeah. 
Is in fairness to Actually, Aiden we've Gillen, got a few Bohemian Rhapsody people yeah, talking about Aiden it. Gillen and Lucy Boynton are the king and queen of no popcorn currently. Yeah, you've got Maria Doyle Kennedy, uh, you've got Don... Witcherly. Witcherly. I don't know why I've been getting that wrong my whole life. You've got Jack Rayner, big Jack energy I've written down here. Um, yeah, so one thing I want to note is that a former guest of No Encore, Jafaris, is in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know how I feel about his treatment in this movie because they take a South Park joke from approximately 15 years ago in which they're like, he's black, he'll know how to play an instrument, and that's the gag. And then he's in the band, and then he's in the background and never speaks. And I'm like, mm, I don't know, lads. You know, he gets one funny moment where, like, one of the lads is talking to him as if he can't understand English, and he's like, what the hell is your problem? Yeah. But then, <laughs> that's it. And, like, Jafaris is a very charismatic guy, but he's doing nothing in this movie, you know? Granted, yeah. he... Did, I did, mean, did, the, did the, profile those, those, the, the rest of the band, and to an extent, the manager, and even, like, um, is it Eamon in it? Like, oh, Eamon, kind of, he plays, yeah. They all the kind rabbit. of have not a lot... It's all it's pretty much all 30, so. Yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're there to fill out the sort of, I guess, like what it feels like to be a kid at that age and to fill in all those little pockets. But I guess none of the and major focus. To touch on that on joke, that. it is a lazy joke, but I think that there is a lot of lazy stereotypes that existed in the 1980s. True enough, yeah. And I think that they they do hit them quite a bit. Oh, a lot of characters yeah. in this are archetypes. The bully is the obvious bully and you know exactly where it's going to go. I think you know exactly where everything is going to go in this movie, apart from maybe the very ending, which is kind of insane. We'll get to that later. But like, yeah, I mean, generally, I don't know. It just kind of felt like, yeah, it felt fine. I, I thought yeah. the casting was, was was grand. I I know that they did open castings for this. Mm. So it was like they searched quite far and wide for like young boys and they specifically were like instruments, vocalists, everything like that. Um, I think Ferdia Walsh-Pilo is brilliant in this film. I think he's one of the best things about it. Considering he was like 15 making it, I think and 15. This was, yeah, I think it's like his first movie as well because I think that they, yeah. they kind of had a preference for people who didn't act because John Carney was like, I don't want you to be in ruined by a acting teacher. I, John Carney, want to <laughs> mold, <laughs> mold you, you into whatever into needs to be done. shape of my own. Yeah, I think Freddie's really good. Um, he, he has very, 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 very rosy cheeks. That the makes him, like, They're so face. disarming and it's, it makes it kind of funny in like, the, the oh, first scene he has with, um, with Rafinha. Um, and he's like trying to get her to be in the video and he's like been real blustery and like trying to have a bit of like confidence, big energy. But it's just like, no matter what he's feeling, those cheeks are going to be glowing. So he just looks like he's constantly <laughs> blushing. I think he's got a lot of like charisma though. Like he definitely yeah, he holds it. And yeah, um, I, I think he, I, I'm torn. I think he's good. <clears throat> I think he's mostly likable, but he skirts the line. I don't know how much how much I, I like the character, really, because I think a lot of the characters are drawn very, very thinly. By the way, so he's 15 making this? Yeah. So that, if my maths are correct, will put Lucy Boynton at 21. It would. Yes, it would. Right. I, first of all, I just never bought them as a thing in the movie. No, I, thought, no. I thought that in the movie it would be a thing where she's the object of his desire, but he'll see at some point that actually, no, this is not, this is this doesn't make sense, and hey, it's my first crush, it's my first love, and maybe... And she'll she go off with the handsome priest from Dairy Girls. 
<laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, is that a thing? I've never seen Derry Girls. Did, did, there's a... Is that your man? I'm trying to remember the actor's name. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, he's um, not, but he's, he is the handsome priest in Derry Girls. He's very good in this. <laughs> he doesn't have much to do, but he's all right. Yeah, but like, I just think he does his little but, bit but There's a well. point late in the film where he kind of has a bit of a confrontation where, where like, I guess he's he's kind of not happy about what she's saying or what she's doing. So it's almost like he's kind of like developed a bit of self-worth. But you still get the happy ending with them together. So like, I didn't buy them as a couple. I I didn't buy them like like on any level. But the level that I extremely didn't buy them as a couple was, I mean, come on. He's fourteen in this movie. She's clearly like oh, she's meant to be a year older than him. So she's sixteen and he's fifteen. I it's think it's one of those. But like, yeah. it's, it's around that. But I'm sorry, it's no. not. It's not viable. Cause nor, cause I think she just case, looked. She just looks older. They do reference well, it by being like, "Oh, she's literally." She, I mean, she older. is older, and yeah. like the, the kind of the like I went to see uh, Booksmart recently, and like Beanie Feldstein is playing a seventeen, eighteen year old, and she's in her mid twenties. Um, like it's always been a case of that you you That's play kind of about three goes. years. Oh, younger yeah. than I mean, you actually look at like, are. Look at like it's never films, a case like, of like you're, you're a 12-year-old. Yeah, look at like I Know He Did Last Summer or whatever. But, but, exactly, this, yeah, but, yeah, this like, is, but this is when you're pairing these two together as a romantic it, item. And I'm sorry, but I was like, surely she'd be more suited to the Jack Rayner character because I think that she might be breaking the law here. Like, <laughs> like, and I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't get on with this. I was waiting for someone, for someone to come along and be like, uh, what the fuck's going on here? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like an, an emotional, an age level, nothing. They don't look anywhere near... The same, like, I, I, it didn't make sense. And again, the way it's written, I was like, surely she's, like, put up as this, like, kind of idyllic manic pixie dream girl thing or whatever the fuck trope you yeah. want to throw in there. And it's revealed at some point, because there is a point where it's revealed, and then she's like, oh, my God, what am I doing? And he's like, yeah, actually, you know, like, I'm kind of insulted now by... I mean, surely that's it. You don't have them get together in the end. You just don't. It doesn't make any fucking sense. So I couldn't buy it. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't ship them, you know? It is. It is a major issue. Um, do you want to have a little clip just of their their first meeting, considering we've referenced it? Yeah, go on. You lied. No, I'm trying to give up. Don't any matches anyway. So how come you're not in school? I don't go to school. I'm a model. Cool, like for magazines. I'm going to London soon. Just waiting for my portfolio shots. There's no real work for models in Dublin, you know? Yeah. Tell me about it. Do you want to be in a video? It's from my band. You're in a band? Yes. And we need a girl for it. Have you ever been in a video before? No. Is that a problem? I hope not. I'll ask the producer. Who's the producer? That kid behind me. I could call you with the details if I had your digits. So if you're in a band, sing me a song. I can't sing out here. You're gonna have to sing for like thousands of people. I'm just one. Sing. Don't make me sing. Jesus. Sing that song off the radio. You know, the one by AHA. Sing it. Sing it. Take, so take, no, so take on me, take me on. The film wrong-footed me at places and not in the good way, not in the like, oh yeah, that's clever. I just thought like, hmm, I don't know, it felt a bit first drafty at times. 
Um, I, I I didn't like I never was like actively against the movie, but it was just very kind of almost by the numbers of points, you know. Um, I like know. I think ultimately the goal is to make a kind of a feel good family kind of wholesome like fun film whilst it does touch on quite dark subjects at points and I do think like it it touches them very slightly but does do it in a in a subtle way where it's like and maybe it's just like Irish people would just get the reference and be like okay we know what they're talking about yeah and maybe that's a thing um I thought it was again, depictive I, of the 80s I thought it was totally askew yeah I do think that just to touch on what you're saying that there is like some good moments of um touching on some of the darker subjects within yeah. what is essentially a family movie, like the the scene where he comes in dressed as kind of with his Bowie makeup oh, with on. The makeup and the priest. And Don Witcherly is just like, you know, wash it off your face here. You can use my um private bathroom. You can use my, my private, private bathroom. And opens like, the keep, door. They, they and the shot. He keeps the shot there and it's just like you know, this this like open you can't see Witcherly anymore. Like I thought that was like really, really effective to kind of Touch upon the you know, being, being yeah. in, in a Christian yeah, school the in the eighties without yeah. being like insanely over the top, and then yeah. you kind of think he's got away. And that scene where literally when he follows him and kind of essentially half drowns him in yeah, it. that is actually really that really was effective. Brutal, yeah. yeah. I I watch rewatched this film at Christmas because it was on. It was the New Year's Eve Christmas film. No. <laughs> Christmas Eve, what am I saying? New Year's Eve. Christmas Eve film, I watched it with my dad. And, um, like, my dad would have been in school in, like, the 60s, 70s, so it would have been, like, a different time. But he did go to, like, um, an all-boys... Um, like, like priest-run oh, okay. school. So, and he was like, it was as violent as that. So at least they're not, like... Sure, yeah, 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 it's not like it's, like, oh, it's super family fun, like, there's none of that's happening. Yeah, no. So I do think they make a pretty good job at depicting that. And there's actually another really subtle moment that they touch on is when the bully first brings um, Connor, who is Ferdia Walsh-Pilo. Had we mentioned his name already? Ferdia Walsh-Pilo, or that, or that his name like is? Like that his character's name is Connor. Connor, 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 Sorry, Connor Cosmo Connor, Lawler. Lawler. Connor yeah. Cosmo Lawler. Um, <laughs> so when he first comes to the school and the bully brings him into the bathrooms and he's like, dance. And then he's like, now go into that stall and dance with your pants down. And it's like, a tiny, maybe subtle thing that there's like... Yeah, but in that regard, I, like, I kind of feel like the film isn't quite sure what it wants to be. I mean, like, and ultimately, you know, you're telling a film in like an hour 45 or an hour 40 or whatever, like, you you know, I, I admire the ambition of the scope of trying to get all these topics in, but some of them just feel kind of a little bit thrown away. I kind of feel they're front-loaded in the movie as well, and as a kind of... Oh, Jack Rayner further, Jack further, Rayner no, is immediately... further into like musical territory that it kind of abandons any because totally, yeah. I, I find that the thing most interesting about it is like eighties Dublin and like I think in terms of set design and like there is like little touches like the copybook that everyone has. Oh yeah, yeah. with the little Ireland map um, However <laughs> Did you notice it? I was like Is it the dot IE? I was I fucking I I rewound the film and I was like, oh my god. So there's a scene where they're cycling, they're cycling on the streets. And the weird thing is, it was really in my head because you hadn't seen too much of the world at this point. You'd seen the house 
It's they in, have the it's straight edge side yeah. and appropriate cars. You've seen and, the school, yeah, but you yeah. haven't seen too much of Dublin. And at one point, they're they're cycling around Dublin, and I was trying to. You know, I, I've moved to Dublin in the last few years, so I was trying to see if I could recognize straight what's at night, what street are they on? And I'm yeah. looking at like the car because I literally had this thing of like I had this thing in my head of like, oh, imagine if they just cycled by like a brand new souped up Ferrari like, <laughs> that someone accidentally left in the shop. That didn't happen. But what does happen is they cycle by a shop, a shop front, and the shop front says deafhere.ie and I was like, and like the weird thing oh is my seconds God. beforehand they'd done a really good job at like focusing on the bike and blurring most of the other signage because clearly it's signage that they just maybe weren't allowed to cover or just couldn't legally do it um, it's right under the frame it's like all you had to do was and it's go. yeah it's yeah. like just as they yeah. cycle by and in. you can catch the like the dot ie yeah. quite clearly that's what it was I literally like kind of had the, the double take of like whoop, and I went yeah. around and I was like ah oh, lads ah oh, lads come on like come on that's someone's job mate or even just like if you th- like if you thought you got that shot, just like use a different take, use something that wasn't just that area. Just block but it out, you know. John Carney shouldn't work with models and continuity editors. I mean, <laughs> if we're also dinging it for um, continuity errors, um, the entire drive it like you stole it is based on Back to the Future, a yeah. movie that had literally got released in like December nineteen eighty five. So. Um, I don't oh, because it's, it's Dublin, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, yeah. they would have known. There you go. Film is cancelled. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, like those things are kind of like, I mean, like every film has fucking mistakes. I mean, like some of them have some of them are more infamous than others. But that one did jump out. I was like, oh come on, you know, like really, yeah. really. Um, so yeah, I mean, like it moves along in a bit of a clip. Uh, what do we think of? Yeah, like, I guess there's two things I want to discuss next. I want to I'll talk about the music. Or I want to talk about Jack Rayner. Jack Rayner. Let's start with Jack Rayner. Maybe a clip of Jack Rayner um, explaining Duran Duran to the audience. You're going to love this, man. Yes, beautiful. The jury's still out on which way these guys will go, but they're a lot of fun. And John Taylor is one of the most proficient bass players in the UK at the moment. Gives them a really funky edge, which I hope they're going to go for. It's not exactly the Beatles, is it? Oh, you know, will you go outside and start up the time machine there so we can all go back in time for Dad, kind of? Well, if this is the future, we're all screwed, aren't we? I mean, look at this guy. He's not even singing live. It's a video, Robert. It's art. Everybody's making them these days. Look at it. I mean, why can't they get them to play live? What are they trying to hide? It's because they're in the USA. Did you not hear them? And this lasts forever. It's the perfect mixture of music and visuals. It's short to the point. Look at it. I mean, what tyranny could stand up to that? So, yeah, that accent, that's a choice. Um, however, I feel like, you know, this has been said to me off mic, so let, let, let's just get out onto the show, guys. What happened when you were rewatching this this movie? Who was Jack Rayner compared to? Norma. You? <laughs> Is that what? Okay, so I was like, so at this point, I'd like to say no encore will no longer be taking place. Would you like to say who, who made this comment? <laughs> So I was like rewatching it a couple of days ago with Dahi and there's a bit where Jack Rayner, like I have difficulty with that character because a lot of the time, like I think he he tried to do a good job, but it's hard because he's, well, he's like... he's dressed like Judd Nelson in the fucking breakfast club and with and like Eddie the wig is a bit dodgy. The wig is terrible. The wig is um, insanely dodgy. The fingerless gloves, <laughs> like wig. it's all a bit of a, like a bit weird, but he's obviously used as a vehicle to like 
introduce Connor to the idea of music and it being the savior and blah, blah, blah. And he's often, his dialogue is quite clunky to me because he's just like explaining music, which is just a weird thing. And then we're watching it and he does a bit where he's like, He's talking about the he's talking about Duran Duran and they're watching the music video for Rio and it's where Connor gets the first idea of like music videos. That's that's the buzz. It's art, um, man. And he leans back and he's like, John Taylor's like one of the most blah 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 bassists and yada 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 talking about Duran Duran. Ty was like, sounds a bit like Dave. I really I was just about before you even said that, I was like, Dave, could you tell me that John Taylor is one of the best bass players in the United Kingdom at the moment? I, I swear on my life, when I watched this earlier today and I watched that specific scene, I said, Oh God, I hope I don't sound like that. <laughs> And I was like, it was and I was like, like, I reassure myself. I was like, no, no, no I, don't, I don't. I think it was like the lean back into like, and let me tell you about the music. So, son. I'm, not, I'm not a mansplaining music person. Yeah, I have got a fucking podcast, but that's not. Someone else talk to me, please. Yeah, the, the, the problem I have with Jack Ryan, who I said I'm coming around to as an actor, I think he's done better stuff since. Uh, in yeah. this, like, as you said, the dialogue is really clunky, which is weird because this is, um, I mean, Connor is essentially John Carney and. He had older siblings, uh, one who we dedicated Begin Again to. So there's that presence. And we've all kind of had some sort of uh, older brother or, or a cousin who's kind of like before the advent of the internet would be like the gatekeeper and being like, this is... Giving you your records. Giving you the recommendations, giving you the list. And you're like, oh, I want that. And they're like, well, come back and I'll, I'll have more for you. But in this, between a mixture of the accent and the, the way Jack Rayner talks... He is so unconvincing as someone who actually listens to this music. It reminded me of um, one of my most, I think one of the most ridiculous scenes I've ever seen in a movie is in Children of Men. There's the scene where um, Clive Owen goes over to like Michael Caine's house and he plays him like an Aphex Twin song off Drooks and then starts playing air guitar to it. And it's just like, these things don't <laughs> go together. And Jack Rayner trying to like talk about... Joe Jackson or Duran Duran or The Cure. It was just like, like in this, it's just oh, he's, does not he's work a he's, at he's all. a device. Like with yeah, a yeah. This is what I mean. He's often uses like that vehicle totally, yeah. to just be like, I just need to get yeah. this chunk he's of very information written. across. He's very very written. I liked him in it though. I mean, like yeah, the wig yeah. is a problem. The accent is questionable. I, he had energy though. I liked his yeah. energy. I was like, he he lifted the film when he was in it. Um, I thought that there was kind of a sweetness to the relationship, even if, you know, I didn't, again, like most of this film, I just didn't fully buy everything in it. But like, yeah, and, a- and there is that point, of course, where like it turns into like, you know, Oh, like I was here for. I actually, I actually really liked that thing when he the talked jet, about it. The jet stream. I was a fucking story. I was a fucking jet engineer. Yeah. Like, do you want to hear that bit? Uh, yeah, let's hear let's that. Let's hear bit. that bit. Do you see that guitar? I used to be able to play that guitar well. I used to ride hot girls. I could run 200 meters faster than anybody in my school. You're the youngest. You get to follow the path that I macheted through the jungle that is our mad family. I was alone with them for six years. You think they're crazy now? Think about what they were like when they were in their late 20s. Two Catholics in a rented flat with a screaming baby who just got married because they wanted to have sex. They didn't even love each other. I was in the middle of that alone. And then you came along, thank God. And you followed the path that I cut for us, untouched. You just moved in my jet stream. And people laugh at me, Connor, the stoner, the college dropout, and they praise you, which is fine. But once, 
was a jet engine. So yeah, I like that because that's true. That that is a true thing. Um, I have a brother who I never talk about on the show because we don't we're, we don't have a relationship, uh, and that's why at the end of this movie, when you get the thing that says "for brothers everywhere," I kind of rankled at it, and. You know, if I'm being brutally honest, I don't know for sure. I can't say for sure. And I'm sure if he was listening to this, he'd probably disagree. But I would get the impression that my brother resents me. And I think one of the reasons for that is because of the age gap and because of the way that my family would have been, the way the house would have been before I came along and how he's kind of not really, you know, gotten the most out of his life that maybe he could have. And I think some people do fall into those kind of traps and they do kind of blame other people and whatever. And like I say, I'm saying a lot of stuff here that some people might be like, no, that ain't true. I think it's true. And there was like these parallels, you know? And I, it was just kind of interesting to see these things kind of voiced aloud because I don't think this is the most subtle portrayal of that kind of thing. But I was like, there's truth in that. And I was like, and yeah, you do ultimately get the fucking Goodwill Hunting ending of him being like, Wait. you know, they're in the jet stream of and the ferry off to London. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, did you, did you, you know, like, whatever. But I enjoyed that scene. I enjoyed the breakdown he kind of has briefly when he's smashing all the records. I really mm. wanted Connor to stop him from breaking all of his music. I was like, come on, intervene, mate. Save him. Give him a hug. But, like, that was, I, I thought that, like, that it was nice because it touched on something. And it did actually tie into those kind of ideas of, like, you know, our parents got married so they could have sex. They never loved each other. You know, like I was a product of that. Ultimately, one day you were as well. And I'm glad you came along. But also, and people have been telling me that you're amazing and that's great. But also, I was great once. I thought that was really good. I thought he did a really good job with I it. I do think in like, a film the that is family, really totally off. That, yeah, that's why I was like, like, you know, like, like sorry, you both said that you both watched this with your family. Oof, no thanks. I first watched <laughs> it in the cinema and then I watched it again with my dad. And I did think, like, the family bit is it does feel like there's points where it is quite accurate of like what potentially would have been happening in Ireland at the 80s or a lot of marriages. And at first when I saw Aidan Gillen as the dad, I was like, oh, do I believe that he, I don't know. I just feel like he didn't quite fit. But then as the film went on, I was like, oh, I can see how. As Aidan Gillen forms go, it's actually fairly low key. Yeah, it's very and he key. actually, yeah. he does it really well. And there's a bit where like after they tell the kids, um, him and Maria Doyle, Kennedy's character are going to split and she's been having an affair with... Someone named Tony, I Tony? believe. Yeah. Is it Tony? Yeah, yeah. Tony. Um, Is he in a show? No, he's not in a show band or am I just... No, I'm no, confusing that with yeah. someone no, no, else's no, no, with the other dad. It's her boss. Um, yeah, and then uh, there's a bit where like it shows them all going to bed and it's just like Aidan Gillen sitting on the couch by himself watching TV eating a sandwich and it's just the saddest Yeah, and when she image. says goodbye, when he says goodbye to like the mother, the mother's in a bed and he's on a kind of a side bed, there, mm. was, there, was, there was some admirable little yeah. details. There was, there's the, the moment too when they're, they're having the big blowout and it's a nice Jack Rayner moment where he brings in um, Connor and Anne, the, their sister, oh, and they, they kind of like, they're dancing together and it's just like, don't listen to this don't listen to what's going on downstairs. And they're listening to Hollow Notes, which is yeah, always, always good. A good thing. Yeah, for so there a was terrible there, family moment. There was some nice well, kitchen which sink. Hollow Notes song was again? Was, was it Man Eater? And it was, I was like eater, bit yeah. on the nose there. Yeah. I mean, again, like like you're not going to get perfect uh, like you know maturation in this kind of a movie, but like yeah, there was some nice kind of touches of kitchen sink realism. But then of course you've got all the fantastical musical stuff. So yeah. does the balance work? And what do we think of the music the, itself? There is um. When, just when I was like looking up sort of like interviews and stuff with John Carney for like behind the film, because when I first saw this film, I did really like it because I just kind of took it as like a sort of fun coming of age, like 
musical film and I just like got on board with it, left my worries at the door and was like, do the thing. Um, but he does have a quote from an interview with The Verge, I think, where he said that he wanted it to feel like you didn't know where reality ended and the music video started. So that's the kind of vibe. So that's why I think sometimes it does tonally feel a little bit off because you've got the actual music videos, mm. but then there's certain points where um, it is in reality, but you're still like, is this still meant to be the weird kind of I music video I don't know if he pulls world? that off, though. I mean, like, no, got, the apex moment of that all. is when they're playing Drive It Like You Stole It. And you have Don yeah. literally doing like backflips. Sort of so it's very obvious that sequence. this isn't really happening. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that it's like candy-coloured stuff. Yeah, and, like, Jack Rayner shows up and he looks a like, you know, like, looks like a greaser and like everyone's having a great old time. Um, yeah, and the so, mom and dad are together, which is like yeah, and like again, like 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 I, Ferdy Walsh in particular is very good in that sequence um, and execute well. But generally, again, I mean, like I didn't think that it blurred the lines too well. Uh, Song wise, uh, I know people rave about the riddle of the model banger. Do you think it's certified a banger? <laughs> banger? I absolutely love that song. Higgs is here just like waiting yeah. to do it. Like that, it's, it's my main issue with this is like I don't like any of the songs. Okay, let's hear, like, let's hear that one real quick what? first of all. The Riddle of the Model. The Okay, so there's that one, which is like the first kind of proper music video they shoot. Uh, which during it, to be fair, I thought they captured some of the tropes of eighties music videos. Yeah, like the, the sort she, of the British accent. The bit when she holds up her vanity mirror and it zooms in and he's in it. That was kind of cute. Like you know, that was kind of well done. And I think, uh, like to prefix the music videos and as they come, every time his brother tells him about a new influence, so he's like, he Duran starts wearing Duran. it. Yeah, yeah, he starts dressing like Duran Duran and yeah. like writing right. songs that sound like Duran Duran, which worked like Spando Ballet, <laughs> which worked well for in terms of just like a passage of time and kind of like yeah, a character it's kind growth. of a cute. It gives you a bit thing. of pace. So that's the riddle of the model. Uh, the other big track, which has ten million views on YouTube, lads, is Drive It Like You Stole It, and that sounds like this. which I think is the better of those two tracks. Riddle of the Model didn't work for me. Some people love it, though. And the first time I ever heard Riddle of the Model was Dahi doing the thing. doing like. Was, th was this when he was trying to sing the Folds track? Probably. There's a Folds track called <laughs> Exits, and there's a bit where it's like the chorus, and then towards the end there's a little bit of music, and he's like, you can perfectly sing the Riddle of the Model. <laughs> and I was just like, I, yeah. So what you're saying sure. is John Carney continues to influence the world of music, uh, Yeah, basically. I mean, Folds? 
Own up. My take <laughs> on it is, while I thought Driver Like You Saw was a bit of crack, if obviously indebted to, they're all indebted to, whatever. Uh, and also, I will say, I mean, like those two tracks, I was I was pleased to learn that, you know, liking them to a degree and seeing the credits that Glenn Hansard is not on those tracks. He's on other ones. Um, John yeah. Bernie, you pretty much wrote, or and, part wrote, and Gary Clark. I did, and Gary Clark, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and Gary Clark wrote, well. uh, wrote one of them by himself. But like, yeah, so they're fine, but I just thought, yeah, not strong enough, I don't think. But again, when I was reading, reading all these reviews, everyone was like, you know, these two of these songs should be up for best Oscar. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> I do think, like, they've been around a while. I think the idea was that John Carney had, like, these songs he actually wrote when he was a bit younger and he was growing mm. up and, like, listening to those tunes. They work in terms um, of what they are in the movie. They yeah, as a I, device to show... And they work in terms of, like, influences. I believed... Yeah, that makes sense, because I was like, I believed uh, a precocious teenager would write this. Exactly, yeah. They seem yeah. like songs that kids who have just listened to one thing and are trying to imitate it in some shape or form would come out with. But if you're applying a critical lens to them... They're great. trash. <laughs> they Go on. So Go like, on in. Kill them. I mean... <laughs> Kill the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, I just think it's it's a massive failing for me of a of a musical, whether I like a musical or not, not to come out and at least have like a song where you're like, oh yeah, that, that was a bop, you know? Like, um, I'm trying to think now of a musical. I probably should probably come with an example that I didn't really love, but you're just like, oh yeah, but that that song, yeah, that slaps. And there's nothing in this. Like I remember when I came out of the first time. Um, I was like, nope, nothing from there. I think I was probably more likely to be humming something from Green Room, <laughs> which <laughs> says it all, one of the um, the not the Ain't Right songs. But um, yeah, it's the major fail in this film. For me. I think a problem with it as well is that the mixing in this movie, it very much feels like someone is pressing play on... Uh, a Spotify tune over like music, yeah. like, like there's a ver- there's di- there's a disconnection. I mean, I'm not saying I need to have a live performance. But no, but there's too much of a polish as well. Yeah, yeah, it's way too polished. It's way too clean. It's way too it's way too smooth. It's way too disconnected. It's just now, very like. I do think, in fairness to the two main boys in the band, so Ferdia Walsh Pilo is doing all that singing. He's actually operatically trained. Well, with the name Ferdia Walsh, right. <laughs> but his mother, I, I think, is Tony. <laughs> Tony Walsh, I stand correct on that just in case, but she is a trained singer as well and like his family really musical, so he's playing all those instruments. Mark McKenna who plays Eamon, who's sort of his writing partner and a guitarist in the band went to BIM, like is playing all those instruments yeah. and I think I think all the boys are. Well your man yeah. Mark McKenna he's in a band now called Milk uh, I've released a couple of songs this year. I featured one of them on Joe there recently. Very 1975 influenced. Yeah. And that's not going. That's a tag that, that they're going to find difficult to shake off. But as as introductory tracks for a new band go, they're pretty good. Like I mean, yeah. they've got they've got something. Um, and yeah, I actually liked him in the movie. I thought he was uh, quite. He is great. He's got good comic timing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and delivery of some of those lines is just very good. Yeah. So fucking. When good. he was like, when when they're like, the let's no, it's like let's play the end of year gig thing, and he's like, I don't want to play that. And then he's like, there'll be girls there. He's like, I think we should do it. Like, <laughs> there was just good little kind of beats, and also I thought I, I enjoyed his just his kind of. I bought the two of them writing songs together, even just like, you know, you can put two actors in a room and show them like standing next to them with a guitar and whatever, but like, you can be like, nah, that ain't real. But I was just kind of like, yeah, I can see this. Yeah, think. the process worked because that's, I guess, one of the things that we constantly hit on uh, doing this podcast is like, how does the process 
uh, work and how well is it shown and we've had some pretty bad examples of it but this one yeah there is like something quite it's more about authentic it. than fucking Bohemian Rhapsody I'll tell you that yeah. Oh, I mean, like, yeah they definitely have really good chemistry has been so far um, I think actually upon the release of the film because it was nominated for a Golden Globe for best musical or best comedy, musical yeah, comedy yeah, yeah. category because they did really well in America but the two lads did do a lot of like press tours where they would sing the song so they would like show up and they and put them to work on good morning america just yeah them around like and mark mckenna had the guitar and they just like did out the tunes and it was really nice to hmm. kind of see that like they have that chemistry and they worked together well i will defend the music i liked it okay well uh all of which leads up to the at that end of year showcase they play uh, their last uh, their first and last ever <laughs> gig and you know uh, there's been the bit beforehand where uh, Connor and Rafina kind of have a slight falling out. She kind of there's kind of a hint that there's a bit more going on with her, obviously in terms of trouble. Um, and she shows up at the end of the gig. Everyone has a great old time. They run off together, and I'm like, oh okay. But then they run off together, bail back to the gaff, enlist Jack Rayner's enthusiastic help to flee to England, drive them to Docky. Yep, which he does. They get into a boat. Get into a boat that was his granddad's. Taken to the island before. They get into a boat, a small boat. And they peel off in the direction of England or Wales. There, yeah, there's a bit in the film where they're at Dunleary Harbour. Mm. Or is it when they're on the island? Yeah, I think it's where maybe Dunleary like, when they're filming yeah, the, um, one of their many music videos. Oh, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. she, she dives in. Yeah. But it, like, there's a point where he's looking out at the coastline. He's like, I oh, want a really clear day when the sea is really calm. You can see Wales. I think it's Wales. Yeah, yeah. that it's like call bullshit on that. It's There's actually, never a clear enough day. I know. Ireland ever see I was Wales. like, because <laughs> he was like, it's only like thirty miles or something. I was like, is that is that correct? Um, and that's their destination of choice, which kind of comes out of absolutely nowhere, and they decide to flee to to the UK. Well, she's she's kind of like I'd she love to go to London, to London and be a model, and she's hoping that this sort of older, like dirtbag mm. boyfriend was going to bring her and it turns out that's a lie. So instead her uh, under younger a, boyfriend her, her underage boyfriend is <laughs> going to bring her, is gonna bring her in and, a start, and, start, <laughs> and start a new life. So yeah, Jack Rayner brings them off and it's total goodwill hunting moment of like, you know, best part of my day and he gets rid of them and he gets in his car and he looks very, very happy. He's cheering. It's a happy ending. Uh, and off they go. And the last thing we see is them negotiating a very choppy and rain-soaked sea. They look like they're about to be killed by something. A giant ferry goes by. They wave at the ferry. You get a close-up of her looking uh, battered by rain and kind of confused. And then you get a long close-up of him uh, looking defiant. And then it cuts to credits. And I was like, sorry? Uh, meanwhile, my take on it is this, right? Uh, they died at sea. And this is all a fantasy. They're dead. That's my take on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is how, a many, where... how many gigs have you tried to go to where you haven't, the, the band haven't been able to come across the Irish Sea because it's too choppy? Sea is undefeated when it comes to <laughs> uh, musicians and boats. There <laughs> so is a point uh, where Jack Rayner is like, being like, go live out your dreams, do the thing I couldn't do, like escape this place, go to London. And he's like, hugs them and he's like, oh, you'll probably die. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, th I think they're dead. But also his whole thing of like, you know, oh, go live out your dreams. His character is basically 20 years of age. I'm like, just move out, mate. Get, like, get rid of the wig. Was it, there is a point in the film where he talks about how he wanted to go to Berlin and then the mom 
sort of tried to stop him. I think he was, yeah, he was like held back by all kinds of different things. And then he just becomes a stoner and sort of drops out of college. He'd all those problems. But I'm like, no, you can get it back. So yeah, but like my take on it is like the final shot of the movie, which is him looking very defined and happy and everything and, you know, sailing on to an unknown future. I'm like, it doesn't quite work for me. And also I'm of the opinion that this was like John Carney, like had this image in his head of that exact image. And like, yeah, yeah, reverse engineered the entire movie from that and was like, that's our ending no matter what. But he did the do, jigsaw pieces aren't there. Like yeah. he did do an interview afterwards where someone basically just went the ending, like what, what's all that about? And he was like, do you know what? In hindsight, I'm I might not have had that ending happen again. Like if I was going to basically if I was going to refilm the thing, would I do that ending? And they're like, do they die? And then that's where the quote about the music video sort of reality mixing in with that sort of comes in where he's just like make of it what you will kind of a thing <laughs> where it's just like you decide do they live do they die was it all just a big music video like I think it's more that like pop. I'm not I'm not like, I, I, but I'm not against <laughs> bleak, but I'm, I'm not against that ending in principle I just don't think the film earns it at no, all like, no. or telegraphs he, it in he, any way he would have needed on. to start like having the fantasy elements bleed in much, much earlier in the movie. Because, like, essentially your first introduction of it is the um, Driver Like He Stole It mm. kind of 50s Back to the Future inspired music video. And that's it. And then you get this ending where it's very, very, very fancy infused. Yeah. Um, so that is the bit when the, the the ferry goes by and they drive in the jet stream of the ferry where it's Adam Levine singing Go Now. I think the song is called Go yeah. Now. I did not know that was him. Um, I think it was actually uh, written by John Carney and Glenn Hansard. Wow, I'm I, I'm never going back. <laughs> Much like Robert De Niro and Heat, he, I'm never going back. <laughs> John Carney did say that he, actually, he gave an interview, and I'll give you a wee quote. Um, it said, "It's clear the scene in the gym is fancy. This is the interview for The Verge because it's got that bright candy color, and things happen that are so obviously unreal. But in the boat crossing, you spend a lot of time establishing the physical danger of what they're doing. <laughs> it seems like if it was just a romantic fantasy, you would have had them just sail off together. But there was a point where it looked like it was going to end with them both dying in the Irish Sea. I wish they had, in a way. I'm sorry." <laughs> But there's a side of me that wishes Jesus, that they John had. John Carney is relentless. <laughs> Given the difficulty of people who are making jerseys and end up dying, he's like, the interviewer, that would have been a much darker film. <laughs> and uh, Carney, it wouldn't have been anything if they died in the end. It just wouldn't have been a film. It just would have been a joke or a twist or something. I mean, I don't think it's supposed to be a fully real sequence. I think they're supposed to be quite brave setting off, but it's supposed to be, it's funny. Maybe I do want to have my cake and eat it. Maybe I do want to have a winning sequence. But there is an element of it that could be a music video or a fantasy. They're in a boat together and it's dangerous and they're being rocked by the sea. And he's the brave, he's like the brave captain, but it's kind of all in his head. So it's kind of like John Kearney's like, I have an image. I have fucking no clue what it means. Though. I had to attach <laughs> it to a narrative. Yeah. Symbolism, baby. Like, I, I, fuck, I, fucking, I, didn't look up, I didn't look up any of this and I fucking <clears throat> knew it. I knew that's what that was. I was like, this is film school shit. I was like, like, at least set up the fucking points. I'm not saying don't be abstract. I love abstract art. We all do. But this, it doesn't work. It, it feels like it's parachuted in from a different film altogether or from like a, the first cut of the film and we're on like cut 25 now, but we're keeping that ending. The the music choice also sits weird with me because throughout the film, the music has either been the band singing their original songs or music of the time, mm. I think. 
Yeah, it's pretty, pretty much yeah. things that they're influenced yeah. by. And, and this is the only time that like a a modern contemporary film or a modern song comes in, and it's a bit like, was this just because you were like, well, I gotta get the song in? It's a bit like <laughs> it's a bit like the ending of This Is England, with like that cover of you know, please, 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 let me get what I want. Except you know that actually had a point and meaning and meant something and was earned. <laughs> but this is just like I'm confused about what I just saw and not in a good way. Imagine they fell into the water and Liam Cunningham's voice came on like that ad, when you fall into the water. Like, best thing to do is panic. float. <laughs> the best thing to do is float. Um, I mean, perhaps yeah. he, he ended up with the that kind of contemporary Adam Levine song because he's such a joy to work with. <laughs> 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 I think I'm quite unpretentious. It was just, it was just weird because I was like, and even in the cinema, I remember just being like, is that? Adam fucking Levine. Like, but also, sorry, Adam like, Levine taking time really out of his busy voice. schedule recording a cover of Three Little Birds for the Hyundai World Cup ads in 2008. Nice. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> uh, but all the reviews of this that, that are like, you will leave the cinema toe-tapping and pump in the air. And I'm like, not after that ending. You yeah. won't. You it's like, I just saw a, two children die. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. I mean, they're dead. Well, one of whom deserved it because she was committing a crime. But, you know, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, so that's Sing Street. I think we could have had a great film in here and said we got an okay one. I stand by it. I will defend you Sing stand, Street to the end. We stand oh, a Sing I Street. Stand, not John Garney, just Sing Street. <laughs> we stand a woke uh, I just John think Kirk. like if you, if you sort of like get on board with just the like, like I said, like coming of age, the funness of it. There are some excellent lines in there. I really like the music. I do think one of the best things to come out of it is that it is showcasing a lot of like young Irish talent in a really, really good way. Like Freddie Walsh Pilo went on to get a part in Vikings, is doing really, really well. Mark McKenna is doing really well. Jafaris is a, uh, well, I suppose he was around pre this. Yeah, but he has, yeah. he has come into his own. Reese's debut yeah. album Stride this year, which is and, great. Um, yeah, and I think it's just like, I really, really liked it. I know a lot of people do. It's a, What's next for Don Witcherly, though? That's what I want to know. I mean, I mean he's probably going to have to wait for the next... Uh, John Kearney joint. Although it seems to be that they, they rotate it because um, Simon Delaney got his own ad. So like maybe when John Kearney does his next movie, he's like, oh, well, Simon's, Simon's up. Or the <laughs> other guy, the guy who played Barry in Bachelor's Walk. The other guy. The, I was I just trying to think, I was like, who was that actor? No he, was in, he was in Raw for a while. He's though. the other guy in Bachelor's Walk. Yeah, That's I, his I remember name. his character name. Okay. Uh, how did this do at the box office, David? Um, this movie did pretty well. So in, I'm just going to do Ireland in 2016. It was the third highest grossing Irish film of that year. Do you care to guess what the other two were? 2016. One a comedy, one a drama that you, you can say it's contentious that it's an Irish film, but by the rules, it is an Irish film. Uh, I'm really. Is it that is is that suggestive that it's Irish produced? But my okay. Can I get a, a further clue? Uh, are, are these like one? One is a. Do they do well in Oscar tonight? winning movie? Right, okay. And the other is a a comedy. Um, that has got a spin-off, essentially, a TV show spin-off. Oh. This is so niche. This is so difficult. You, you, work, I feel like you work in the I'm, Irish movie I industry. Know. You should I'm know like, this. I should know, I should know. The, the, the Oscar-winning movie is produced by the parent company of The Lighthouse. Oh, no. <laughs> 2016. Oh, no. 2016. The Lobster? No. No, that would be Oscar-winning... Uh, Big breakout role for someone. Oh, is it Room? It's Room. Ugh. <laughs> that film sucks. <laughs> Fuck that movie. Film doesn't suck. Um, <laughs> anyone care just, to just, guess just. what the comedy is? Okay, it so... Now is an okay, same year. Um, TV, TV show. show? Yeah. 
spinoff of a movie. Yeah. Set in Cork. Uh, oh, oh the Young, young Offenders. Offenders. The Young Offenders, oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, that's not a... That's so not Sing Street bad. overall did, it did fairly well. It got like 14 million worldwide. Strangely, and, it, and this goes back to Begin Again, John Carney is a real big deal in South Korea. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? Sing, like? Sing Street, so it made 14 million basically worldwide. Four million of that was in... Um, was in South Korea. Um, Begin Again made $25 million in South Korea. More than it did what? anywhere else in the world. <laughs> even Why? America. It is such a heap of stinking so, shit. Like, no matter what happens with his career, you could fall out in Hollywood, just go and make whimsical musical films in South Korea and John Carney's got himself a career. Just um, on like a side note, if you think the music is bad in Sing Street, in Begin Again, oh, it is... Atrocious. Utterly awful. I assume he wrote the songs again. Yeah. Again, part of them, I think, with uh, Adam Levine and Glenn Hansard had a hand, I think, again. Yeah. Um, What's he doing next? So Do we know? He's doing a Amazon Prime show based on um, the New York Times column, Modern Love. So I don't know if it's going to be like a... Um, it's like four episodes. It's got a really, really big cast, like Anne Hathaway and Tina Fey, isn't it? Um, Dev He's a Hollywood sweetheart Andy, again. Andy Garcia. Um, so... Sing good, good for him. Sing Street, as of currently, is being adapted into a West End musical. He talked with, about that as well, yeah. Yeah. So the book is being done by Enda Walsh, who also did the book for uh, um, once. once. And then the music, I think they, they might be adapting some of the music again, but it will be John Carney and Gary Clark. I believe that's the way to make money. That guy is. Oh my be. god! It's so, gonna be, it's gonna make a killing on the West End. One of the yeah. things, just to touch on once, um, is that apparently because it was like no budget, and John Carney got like most of the money from the Irish Film Board, and then like basically paid um, Marquetta and Glenn Hansard himself, and then he said, and this is a bit tenuous because I haven't really fully found it, but it was like. Every, everyone involved, if, if the movie succeeds, you'll get some on the back end. And it's like, if you had even a 1% on the back end of once, and then I don't know if that would get you its, uh, you know, its stage production, but like, Glenn Hansard's making a lot of money off that. Yeah. Yeah, someone needs to stop him, I think. <laughs> um, okay. So just to, just to touch on, just because we were in 2016, I was like, what were people in Ireland watching in 2016? So I was like, the top 10... If you can give me the number one movie in Ireland in 2016, I will buy you a moderately priced dinner. A moderate? <laughs> I've, I've, I've fallen that, down the hole of me. me. <laughs> we'll, all go, we'll all go. Am I getting dinner? Higgs, Higgs lost this is a, a war for dinner. Higgs I, lost a fantasy football bet recently and had to shell out big time. Yeah. Oh, no. no not to was me. it like, like fancy, fancy dinner? Like a tasting menu. <laughs> <laughs> So I've, I've kind of, I really two. shouldn't be like making food related bets. You know. Is this like movie, I'm so like, confident is that, like, that you won't get this. The number is one this movie. like a bougie meltdown? I'd, I'd it's, easily it's bet that. bonkers. So this movie, just, oh, no, no, the, you, the, the top film in Ireland. In 2016. Person, I give you one hint. Okay. Right. It was. Oh, more than one hint, but go on. No, if not, there's a moderately priced dinner involved. <laughs> I waved the dinner. Um, it was. Normal one. In the, in the US box office. It came 99th. And it was number one in Ireland. And it was number one in Ireland. For the year. Number 100 in America was like some live Kevin Hart, like oh, stand up. And it, The Witch, Robert Eggers' very good horror movie, yep. but in the A24 made more money than this movie in the but US. Ireland but Ireland loved it. But in Ireland. We, our, the Irish 
film going public are bonkers. Because like <laughs> Mamma Mia 2, I think last year was like the... It, like, it broke records that they didn't even know could be broken. Irish <laughs> people. 2016. Uh, I'm, come on, you, like, I need more. Clues. It's a comedy. Right. Okay. It's a sequel. It's American. The Hangover? No. no 2016. Yeah. It's not something insane like Horrible Bosses 2, is no. it? No. Okay, so the dinner's off the table by now. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> it is a, we have to go it is a sequel, uh, female lead, um, a comedy, UK. Um, it's been a while Female between lead. this one and the previous episode, uh, previous entry in this movie. Uh, female lead. Yeah. British. British. Yeah. With is British it, actors? Yeah. So it's like... Is it the third one of this? It's the third one. Female lead? Yeah. Oh my God, this is killing me. Uh, TV show adaptation, perhaps? No. no? Um, it, it came first. The first two were like good? early two thousands. I have not seen any of these films. First film, yeah, early two thousands. Um, it has Bridget I'll, Jones. Yeah, oh. Bridget Jones's baby. God, Irish people, shout like, out! Are we Over just four mad million for Bernard Zellweger? <laughs> Fuck! In two thousand and sixteen, oh. yeah. We're like a we're a weird box office going nation because like the other the other the Star is Born was huge over here, Mamma Mia, yeah, Bo Raps. But the, in in 2016, so like we kind of share a lot of like similar things with the US box office. But like, um, if you think of like Captain America came out that year, the the one with Iron Man, Civil War, like mm-hmm. massive movie, yeah. and you're like, oh yeah, that did. I think it was the highest grossing film of the year, and you're like, that must have done really well over here. Like Suicide Squad, Batman versus Superman, Deadpool. Fantastic Beasts all made more money than it. It's like we're a strange, strange, strange nation. Jesus Christ. Bridget Jones. And nothing illustrates it more than Bridget Jones. Like Rocket Man is killing it here this year, <laughs> apparently. Like just give, give us a musical, give us something to sing along to. Okay. Uh, what are we singing along to next on No Popcorn is the question. You've picked a movie, have you? I've picked a movie. Ooh. So on the next episode, um, <laughs> Dave is... Going to be away for a while. He's going to Canada. I'll also be going to Canada in the next while. So oh, yeah, I forgot, thought yeah. we, we are going Am to Am I get... coming? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> why is, is everyone going to Canada? I wanted to get a Canadian, Canadian-themed movie. So um, Fubar is a mockumentary that came out in like 2002 by Michael Douse, director of Stuber, a movie Dave and I recently went to see. It was very average. It was very average. This is not a very average movie. So it's a, it's a mockumentary about... Metalheads in Calgary or in around Alberta. Um, it's an absolutely wonderful film. It's only 76 minutes long. I love you so much. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, right, David's either was... going to really like this or really dislike it, but oh, he man. can't argue with me. This will be the, without a shadow of a doubt the shortest Also, I was, movie we I was ever really, really scared with, about, about the running time there for a second. I was like, this could be anything. This could be like four Anything hours. that hits like. 90 minutes or under, I'm on board. It's the best thing. Like every Except film. for actually, Midsummer runs at like two, two, and a half. two th- yeah, 25, 230. Mm. Justified it? Like, yeah, it doesn't overstay. Yeah, I felt the end like, probably, I was getting a bit like, all right, let's 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 keep this going, but like, you'll mm. stick with it. It's got a slow hallucinogenic pace, I guess. So. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a podcast for another day. In the meantime, uh, thank you so much, Norma, for guesting oh, on the show. You're very welcome. I'm so sorry. I sound so you sound hungover. Great. You, you sound I'm great. just back from all together now. I mean, you sound kind of the same as you always sound. So. Nice. I don't know, I don't know what that says. <laughs> well, you just sound like, like who Jack Rayner, mate. <laughs> hey, some great music, guys. You gonna? I, I do actually sound like That Jack actually Rayner. sounded more like Aidan Gillen there. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Uh, okay, cool. So, yeah, we'll have you back on again, I hope. 
Oh, I, I hope so too. This has been great, Craig. You're more than welcome. Uh, um, in the meantime, I've been Dave. He's been Dave. This has been no popcorn. There will be no popcorn. And yeah, I guess go Canada. I suppose um, that's that's the show, guys. Bye. podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.